Welcome back to the Two Man Wall Podcast. This is Match Week 21. I am Braden. I am joined by my brother Ethan. And another fantastic week of football has graced us yet again. A uh, couple fantastic matches. Some tantalizing fixtures. Some more tantalizing than others, but... Some living end, up to the expectation. The low <laughs> expectations. Some living up to the high expectations. Exactly. Um, but another... Another thing to talk about this week, before we get into all of that, is we've had yet another manager casualty this week, and it's one that, you know, was has been on life support for quite some time now. It's uh, Everton's Frank Lampard has joined the unemployment line, and this is to really no one's surprise, Ethan. Yeah, I mean, Everton West Ham was El Sacico for a reason, because <laughs> somebody had to go after that one, and Everton lost in pretty... Com- in a convincing 2-0 defeat to West Ham, and yeah, Lampard already had to go. He had lost another relegation battle to Southampton the week before. He wasn't getting away with losing another one. The Everton fans are beside themselves, and they have Everton coming to Goodison in two weeks. So, not yeah. a good time for them, but at the very least... Arsenal, you mean? Yeah, Arsenal going to, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to Goodison. So, not a good time to be an Everton fan, but hopefully... Sacking Lampard will be a turn of fortunes for them, but certainly one that was coming. I I really don't understand why he was given so much time. I guess he I guess he's recovered from from similar situations. Probably mm. not quite as bad, but you know then it's never gotten as bad. Like they're sitting like in a pretty miserable spot right now, sitting um nineteenth on the table, 19th, tied on yeah. points with Southampton. Um, in twentieth, and two points from safety. Uh, and then again they have Everton coming to town. Um, in two weeks' time. Uh, yeah, it's if if it's not crisis mode, if it wasn't crisis mode before, it certainly is crisis mode now, and that is certainly shown by the board. Um, Everton are now favored to go down. Um, almost two to one by the bookies, which is quite surprising considering the size of the club. Um, and if they do go down, we could be looking at a, uh, a fire sale from that. And, you know, this is all very, very tentative again, plenty and plenty of plenty of season left. And for a club like Everton still with money and still with a little bit of a a window left to maybe dig themselves out of it, I, I still back them to, to maybe jump out and, um, see maybe Nottingham Forest slips a little bit, even though they're on 21 now. Um, it just they it just doesn't seem like Everton's going to go down with the with the amount of money in, in football nowadays. They could kind of just buy their way out of it, but you know, football is football and anything can happen, but I, I do back Everton slightly to get out. Uh I would not be surprised if they do go down, but I, I do back them in the end to, to get out of the relegation zone. But I don't know about yourself. Honestly, I think they'll go down. I I think that this is Again, Everton playing in a much different Premier League than the ones they've played in for the last, you know, sixty years that they've stayed in the Premier League. It's just a lot more competitive, and the, I'm looking above them in the table. I'm looking at these teams, and I just don't think that, you know, some of the teams above them that they have to overtake. Yeah. You're looking at, you know, West Ham, Leeds, Leicester, yeah. maybe Nottingham Forest could slip, but you know, they're looking a lot better. I now. think Leeds could slip. Leeds could think. slip. You yeah. Know. If if any teams, yeah, I said Nottingham Forest, but they look like relatively safe right now in 21. I think it might be. Leeds Listen, it happens every season where you know a team yeah. you're not expecting to go down goes down, and this year, I just think it's yeah. going to be Everton. And can't really argue with that take necessarily, but. Before we get into the rest of our Match Week 21 content, we have a Worst Team Wins update. If you're unfamiliar with the Worst Team Wins competition, it's a competition between me and Ethan, where preseason we drafted FPL teams, uh, where all players have a monetary value somewhere between $5 million and, you know, Mo Salas and Erling Haaland. Well, Erling Haaland not at the beginning of the season, but uh, Erling Haaland certainly now at like $13-14 million, uh, based on how many points they accumulate over the season. Our job as members of the competition, was to build a team in a draft format between me and Ethan preseason to build teams that would get the worst amount of points throughout the course of the season. Right now, Ethan's team is looking pretty good. 
and my team has Erling Holland. <laughs> and if you're confused, you might want to go back to the beginning of the season. Because I am too. <laughs> we all are. But anyway, on with the update. My team, this is a double game week. We didn't do an update last podcast because for some reason I think they included the United Palace game as part of the previous week. So I decided we'd wait till this week to do it. So this is both match week 20 and 21 by FPL's terms of when the match weeks were. So my team, Garnacho Cheese, over the course of the two game weeks, had a total of 87 points. And Brayden's team, Jay-Z's Die for a Top Ends, had a rare victory over May with 84 points. A slim margin of victory. And <laughs> Which, even with a Holland hat-trick, I, I escape with, with making up yeah. some kind of ground. A Holland you, hat-trick which... and the fact that Mars has been on a tear recently. Yeah. It's a bit surprising, but yeah, Sokka also for my team has been very good. Bowen had a brace, so it, ch- it checks out. Nonetheless, he's going to need a lot more than three points to <laughs> catch up this season because yeah. his total for this season is 801 points, and my total is 627. And of course, more points is bad. Yeah, I, I need some injuries. Let's, let's just say that. I could, use, I could use a Madison injury, who's back now. Imagine re-injury, I should say. I could use certainly use a Holland injury. A Holland injury changes the entire dynamic. If Holland goes down for even like two months, I I am almost back in it because I would have picked up thirty points, at least twenty five thirty points if not for the Holland hat trick. So yeah, who knows? Lincoln dream. Anyway, to kick off our coverage of match week twenty one, we will start with Manchester City for Tottenham two. Manchester City taking all three points after a shaky start, one would say. Um, they started off conceding in the 44th to Dejan Kulishevsky off an Ederson giveaway, and then Emerson Royale pounces on a rebound rather fortuitously, but also very, you know, intuitively. Yeah. Um, and then... Second half, it's the that meme where the guy like is laying back in the chair and then like oh, leans yeah. up in the chair. Uh, yeah, because it was Alvarez in the fifty-first, Holland in the fifty-third, Mars in the sixty-third, and then Mars again in the ninetieth to seal it. Now, as an Arsenal fan, you know, you just you can't trust Spurs for anything, can you? No. <laughs> but uh, even whether they were, you know, I saw some shit on Twitter like, oh, we should be throwing this game to uh to fuck over Arsenal in the title race. Like, yeah, even if you wanted to win it, I don't know if you're going to win it. Manchester City just seemed so overpowering in the second half. Um, Again, credit to Pep Guardiola, who, you know, got the chance to talk to his team at halftime and completely turned the game around. Um, From a Tottenham point of view... This was honestly scoring two against City is is probably more than you could have expected. However, usually when Tottenham go up goals on teams, they're very hard to you know, to draw back because they sit back, they soak, which they did for forty five minutes. They deflected all the chances, and then they hit when they when they get have their chances with their quality. Bulashevsky and then Emerson. Very fortunately, I I thought at that point that might have been not the nail in the coffin obviously but like it's just very very hard to claw those goals back against Tottenham because of the how rigid they are and you know basically their entire tactical setup is to go up by one goal or two goals and then hang on but Manchester City just completely blew through all of that and it kind of just a testament to how off form this this Tottenham Hotspur team is right yeah now. I mean for the last month or two Tottenham's been second half FC and so when you see them going into halftime yeah. 2-0 up you're thinking well this is rather fortunate. They're just going to only get better from here. And it was the exact opposite. Yeah. I, I've i seen this tweet going around where it's like, I asked my landlord to like raise my rent. That's how much I believe yeah, my yeah. hustle. <laughs> that, was, that was Man City in that first half. They just thought, no, no, all right, why don't we concede to make it, make it tough for ourselves? Yeah, but in the second half, they Man City looked like a completely new team. Tottenham looked yeah. like, you know, high schoolers. They were just getting absolutely dominated in every area of the final third in the first half like you said you know they were so defensively rigid you know it was no surprise yeah. man say again we're just knocking the ball around Tottenham's final third but there weren't many openings and in the second half City were finding gaps in the defense everywhere they looked by the 53rd minute I think is when 
Holland got the equalizing goal, and by the 65th, Riyad Mahrez had put uh, City in the lead, and there wasn't much more from there. Um, I mean, Tottenham, they played well at times. They certainly had a chance to get back into the game. Perisic had a really good chance, which was uh, cleared by Rico Lewis. It hit off like his heel and went back off the post, so mm-hmm. Tottenham yeah. did have a chance to get back into the game, but this was really City's game. It was almost a fluke, those two minutes where Tottenham got their goals. Obviously, the Ederson mistake gave it right to Kulisevsky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but take nothing away from Kulisevsky. I'll say it once, I'll say it again. He's been miles better than Son so far this season. He looks like yeah. the most threatening player on that Spurs attack. Obviously, Kane is the mm-hmm. one scoring most of the goals, but if there's anyone, as if I'm a Spurs fan, if there's anyone I want to have the ball at their feet, it's Kulisevsky because he just seems to be the one sure. making things happen. And on the other side, you have Riyad Mahrez, who's having a bit of a renaissance period right now. He's looking like his old Leicester self. And that's a player who City desperately need because Foden is poor, is on poor form right now. I think he has a bit of a knock, but before then, you know, he was regularly being subbed right after the hour mark by yeah. Grealish, who got the start in this game. Um, and I think, was Mars subbed on? Because I know Alvarez started. So, either way. It's very possible he was. Yeah. Mars has been great, and at a no, Mars started. He did I start, think. and maybe yeah, Mars started. Yeah, I think Alvarez Silva maybe came, off the came bench. on for Grealish. Well, Either way, yeah. Mar- <laughs> no, I think Alvarez may have started the game. Did he? I think maybe Grealish came as a cam because uh, as yeah, you're right. Google Grealish, Grealish started uh, in the field. Yeah, he didn't yeah. start off the left. Yeah, but yeah, Foden hasn't been able. to find his way back into this team and honestly he hasn't really deserved to and it's a bit odd for somebody yeah. who at the beginning of the season was one of the best players in the league you know he had that hat trick against united i mean holland have one too but you know that happens it's not that special yeah. anymore <laughs> exactly uh so yeah good win for city and uncharacteristic loss for tottenham i mean it's characteristic for them you know just balling matches but in terms of yeah. their form usually the second half is where they thrived. They didn't. Yeah, yeah. But when you're against City, what Unca- can you do? Uncharacteristic style yeah. of loss for Tottenham, I should say. Yeah. Another thing that is worth mentioning for Tottenham um, is the whole Harry Kane situation. Put, putting the game aside, Harry Kane, it's come out uh, last 24 hours that Harry Kane is, you know, willing and open to sign yet again for uh, for Tottenham Hotspur. And I'd like to get your thoughts on, uh, on Harry Kane's career and what you what you've made of it so far what what you think his next step should be um because i certainly have my own opinions on it well as much as it hurts to say this coming from an arsenal fan and it was slightly more before my time everything happened with robin van persie i know it strikes a bit more of a chord with you but robin van persie wouldn't be remembered in the same way that he is had he not gone to united had a phenomenal season and you know won the league with them you know he just would have been a great striker at Arsenal who never really ended up doing too much. And that's the path that Harry Kane is on right now. I'm not saying he can never win a trophy with Tottenham, but at the moment it doesn't look like they're going to win a Premier League. Maybe he gets like a League Cup, maybe an FA Cup, but he's going on 30 now. And so far he's only got cobwebs in his trophy cabinet. Yeah. He, from Kane's point of view, I'm sure, you know, obviously he loves Tottenham, he loves the fans, and he loves playing there, but I have to imagine he has a bit more ambition just to leave an imprint on the game, to, you know, take something with him, take an accolade with him. He's got some golden boots, but, and I'm sure he'll be eyeing up the Premier League scoring record, but yeah. to to leave the game and to retire, and obviously it's a couple of years down the line but he's getting into his 30s like i already mentioned so it's definitely something that kane i didn't expect kane to say already that like he wants to sign a new contract with tottenham and that he wants to stay there i thought he'd remain at least silent on that i mean he did want to leave two years ago mm-hmm. and i did say that yeah that's great but somebody also has to pay the money for you and 
that's also the question yeah. of who's gonna buy them. City don't need them. I mean, United seems like the most likely destination. Um, so who knows? We'll we'll see. I mean, with United uh getting new owners soon, with the Glazers on their way out the door, you know, new owners always shaking things up. You never know. So, but I think for for his own legacy, I think Kane needs a move away from Tottenham. I I agree, and I'll I'll keep it short because I think you pretty much said everything um that i would have said but it's it just seems like he we like i truly believe that we could be thinking of harry kane in like the all time like top 10 best players of all time if he had a different career just because of how prolific a goal scorer he is like he with with better service think about it he's playing in a team that focus that uses him as a as almost like a false nine to feed the wingers on counterattacks to score. He's getting most of his goals on penalties and like set pieces, essentially. Like, not most of them, but yeah. like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the four, like, imagine if he was playing with Bert, with David Silva for seasons or, you know, like, it just, it doesn't make sense that he would want to stay and just, I, I, I shouldn't say it doesn't make sense because I I do respect the loyalty. I do. And for someone that did sit through the Robin Van Persie thing, you know, for as as it's sitting now as a twenty one year old looking back, it, it looks like the right thing to do. And I I don't personally, you know, hate yeah. Robin Van Persie. I know some Arsenal fans hate Robin Van Persie. I don't hate Robin Van Persie. Like he did what he needed to do to get a trophy. You look at that Arsenal team at that time, he was playing with Lucas Podolski. Like what that's not going to win you a trophy, unfortunately. I love Lucas Podolski, yeah. but it's not going to win you a trophy. Like you need to have the ambition, and you know you go from Podolski to Wayne Rooney, and all now all of a sudden you're banging in you know twenty some goals, and you're winning the Golden Boot. Like I, I, it makes if he's just this loyal guy that's like, for some reason trophies don't matter to me. It's about loyalty. My family doesn't want. I don't want to move from London. Like then that's fine and i respect the shit out of that i do but if you care about your legacy you kind of ha- you don't got to go to spurs then to madrid then to lafc like just move clubs you're allowed to move clubs you don't have to you're not tainting your legacy by moving yeah. one club mm-hmm. like unless you go to arsenal then you're tainting your legacy but other than, other than arsenal you're it's better it's better for your career and i harry kane's one of the players you know, clubs aside that I respect the most because what he does, he's not, he's not pacey. He's not just getting in behind and generating a shit ton of chances and then scoring some of it. Like he is part of the reason why Tottenham is even considered yeah. a big six club at this point. And I can think, I don't think anyone's even arguing at that him alone. And I don't know. It's the, I think there's some more to this than we're seeing because it, it just seems like he would have been gone already, but we have to move on for the sake of time to the great <laughs> mid-off, as it was called. Liverpool nil, Chelsea nil. I uh, didn't have trouble predicting yeah. the score correctly. It seemed um, almost too easy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Havertz with the chance to take the lead earlier in the game in the fourth minute. His uh, When I saw it at first, I didn't really yeah. understand how it was offside. <clears throat> and then I kind of saw it. That um, I believe it was Thiago Silva making well, I think his with foot, the ball. Yeah, I think his, his foot back was like right ahead foot. of the ball. Yeah, yeah. His his back right foot was the one that took the shot, and then Havertz, who was standing behind him, his you know goal most mm. side was his yeah. left foot, and that was beyond the ball. It's a clear offside. You know, it's one of those like, oh, you know, didn't no. really have an effect on of the play. Like VAR is ruining the game. It didn't, but like it's offsides and offsides is offsides. So. Um, and if it happened to Arsenal, I'd be like, you know, I'd be upset, but I'm like, yeah. shit, it happens to everyone. So, um, at least it was consistent. Um, and from there, uh, you know, no more goals to, to talk about, but, um, I, I do believe Chelsea probably, if you like had to give three points to a team, I think it should have been Chelsea just because they, I, I, I think generated the more high scoring opportunities. Uh, obviously Liverpool had a couple opportunities. Um, it was relatively, you know, even, but if you're splitting hairs, I think Chelsea yeah, maybe bit. deserved the three points and could have gotten it. Um, 
Uh, another person, another thing to talk about is uh, the Mudrick, <clears throat> the Mudrick debut, which, you know, if you're going to take anything from the game from a Chelsea perspective, he looked yeah fantastic when he came on. He was very, very lively. <laughs> Granted, he was going against Milner right back, but uh, he looked very, very lively. And, you know, he put him up against Kyle Walker. I think he's still be very lively. So um, definitely a lot to look forward to there. Obviously, 100 million pound signing you're gonna want to see something right off the bat and he looked pretty good on the other hand Gakpo looked like he's still settling in just a little bit um flubbed a couple chances but you know I I, I think I trust Gakpo and I, I trust Nunez too yeah. like they're still both set at settling into the league um as much as like the shit on Nunez for missing chances like uh, there's a very good chance that he comes along and settles very nicely but um yeah Gakpo looked a little bit you know <clears throat> rookie like in this game i should say but uh mutter came in and looked unbelievably lively they gave him a lot of space out there did milner on that wing um and he took it to <clears throat> decent effect um he had one chance off a uh i believe it was a a ZH cross from all the way on the other side of the field where he just couldn't get it under control um that maybe maybe a player of, yeah, of higher quality yeah. may have taken that down to score maybe he's even scored first time but again Young player, first game. Can't really expect him to bury those. That's a difficult opportunity. But other than that, just, you know, a classic nil-nil. It wasn't one of those nil-nils where you're like, oh, you know, the nil-nil doesn't tell the like story. Yeah, 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 yeah. But nil-nil kind of no, does tell like the story that. a little bit. Um, I, it wasn't the most boring nil-nil I've ever seen. But, again, the two, when two attacks are so as off-form as this, you're just likely to see a lot of missed chances. And that's kind of what we saw. Yeah, like you mentioned, the battle of mid. And these are some great attackers who are just simply off form. I mean, even Mo Salah has only scored seven goals this season, which by his standards is well, well below par. Uh, I'll speak to the Mudrick debut. Yeah, he looked he looked very good, very lively. I mean, going up against James Milner, he made him look like a cement block. <laughs> uh, but one thing I... I did have to mention to everybody who raved about the Mudrick debut is that Nicola Pepe had a very similarly <laughs> impressive debut at Anfield. He was like the first player to dribble past Van Dyke since uh, the Stone yeah. Age. Uh, and everybody was like, oh my God, like this, this kid is it. So let's, let, let's pump the sure. brakes a bit. Like, let, let's wait. Let's see how he does. So obviously promising, but... It is only one game, one cameo performance off the bench from him. But yeah, just both attacks, really. Just not looking potent. Even Gakpo, who's been involved in more goals than I think anybody else in Europe yeah. this entire season. Still, of course, adjusting to the Premier League. I do want to mention the lineup that Liverpool oh, yeah. started. Cause it was a bit Cock-eyed. a bit yeah. odd with um, Bacetic. I probably butchered. that. I think that. I was pretty close, actually. Um, <laughs> the 18-year-old uh, Spaniard starting in midfield over the likes of Fabinho and Henderson. And also Harvey Elliott starting over Darwin Nunez. I guess Nunez and Gakpo would just would miss too many chances <laughs> put, in <the> same, <laughs> put in the same front three. Which, again, it's a bit harsh, but we got to make jokes on sure. here. I, I, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not stopping you. <laughs> Yeah, there's not really much more to say. It was a nil-niller and not the most entertaining one. There, Other than the Havertz disallowed goal, there wasn't that many huge opportunities. You already touched upon uh, the Mudrick chance uh, where Ziyech whipped it into a far post. So yeah, bo- both of these teams deserve to draw from this yeah. game. And the battle of mid ended with both teams right in mid-table. Yep. <sighs> Liverpool ninth, Chelsea tenth. Um, Liverpool do have one game at hand on Chelsea, but Chelsea are only one point inside the top yeah. half. Aston Villa level on games played, just one point behind them with twenty eight. They have Leicester at home coming up, which looks to be a bit favorable, and Chelsea have Fulham coming to Stamford Bridge, which isn't easy. No. So, who knows where they'll be next week. And now we move on to the game of the weekend. Yes. Arsenal 3, Manchester United 2, and this game 
certainly had it all, Ethan. Yes, it did. Um, first, I do want to briefly start with a moment of silence for the <laughs> the eight day Man United title race. So just just a quick moment. Okay. It will be best. <laughs> yeah, what a, what a time it was for United fans in between that uh, victory versus City and then the draw to Palace. It pretty much ended up the draw to Palace. <laughs> this is the nail in the coffin. It was really like four days. What are we even, <laughs> what are we even exaggerating for? But yeah, no, um, what a game. Uh, credit to United because United did play very well in this match. Yeah. Um, but I will say that while they were good between the 18s, between the penalty areas, in the final third, they were clinical, but didn't seem to create a lot of their own chances. Sure. Um, Rashford's goal was absolutely fantastic, but it did come off of a party giveaway. And the Sandra Martinez goal, again, a phenomenal header. Technique had to be perfect, had to be there. But a mistake from Ramsdale trying to catch that ball over Tomiyasu. So United really did kind of struggle to make the chances for themselves, but when they got them, they were absolutely clinical. And Arsenal, I'd say Arsenal had the balance of the play for most of this game. I think in the first half hour, it was probably pretty even, but then in the second half, I think Arsenal really were pretty dominant, especially yep. those last 15 minutes. They really pushed United into their own penalty area, and eventually... They did get the winner through Eddie Niketia, who is really coming into his own now yeah. for this Arsenal team. Really seems to have developed his not only his overall game, but just getting into the right places in the six-yard box, which has always been his forte. But in this game, he really just had that striker's instinct. The way he you know, was just got in front of Wambasaka in his blind spot and just head home into the net from inside the six yard box and then the deft little flick after the deflection from uh Odegaard shot to win it. I mean three hail end scores, yeah. Saka got the other one, another beauty, yeah. just an absolute rifle into the bottom corner. He's firing on all cylinders too and just overall a fantastic win for Arsenal here. Yeah, uh, I mean I could go through the goals a little bit. Uh, the Rashford goal in the seventeenth was genuinely unsavable like that is a strike of a man who Mm -hmm. is playing at the top of his game he knuckled it into the bottom corner that you could you could be standing on that side of the goal i still don't think you save it like is this ball this ball is genuinely unsavable um turns thomas party inside out which hasn't happened since you know last season so yeah uh just a man on top of his form and take nothing wet rashford was very 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 good in this game um he nearly had another one through like sheer force of yeah, will, just yeah, swallowing yeah. through the box. If, if not for Ramsdale, Ramsdale yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kicked it off in the seventeenth. But I'll I'll say it again. I have rarely seen such a mentality and such a mentality from teams. You look at the city teams that have won, you know, for the last five Premier Leagues. They didn't even have this mentality. They basically had the mentality of, you know, we're so good, it's we're gonna come back. It doesn't matter. But like. This ball goes in the 17th, and, like, Arsenal weren't, like, great to this point. They generated chances. It's not like they were, like, you know, battering them for 17 minutes, then they got scored on. They're like, okay, well, the goal's coming. Let's just go. Like, this, the, the Arsenal fans in the stadium just got behind the team just because they fucking conceded. Like, this is, like, the mentality inside the stadium, the mentality inside this team, it was like, that ball went in, everybody's heads turned around. They're like, get the ball back in the center circle. Let's go. And guess what? Seven minutes later, the ball's in the back of the net on the other one, on the other end. Like, that's, you look at this team and you're like, they they don't have the superstars that that have won Premier Leagues in the past, but it's the mentality. That's how, what's gotten them so far is just this mentality in the Fulham game as well when they got the winner. Just like, we can win this game from no matter where it is in the game, no matter what the score is, we can win this game. And they can, and they have that ability too. It's it's just so nice to see from a fan's perspective, from a team's perspective, I'm sure from a manager's perspective as well. Um, but yeah, ending Ketty in the 24th at a very, very nice goal. And then um, Bukasaka in the 53rd right after halftime, <clears throat> which was just, you know, lit the stadium up, absolutely lit the stadium up. And um, 
Luke Shaw had a lot of trouble with Bukayo Saka on that wing during the game. That was a tough, tough matchup for him. Um, then Lissandra Martinez, six minutes later, equalizes on a goal that was preventable, I'll say. I, I, I don't love the decision from Aaron Ramsdale to to catch there. I think you have to punch on those. Unless, unless you're literally sitting under it, I, you just got to punch it out. Like, yeah. Uh, it, it, you can't risk that. And, and <clears throat> Aaron Ramsdale has been fantastic in both of these two games. From aside from this, this yeah. one and the North London Derby, he was man of the match, obviously. Um, but he is not. Um, <clears throat> should I say, exempt from error? Uh, you know, like some of these past Premier League winning keepers have been during their Premier League winning campaigns, Ederson, Allison. Um, but then just a. A, <clears throat> should I say, series of pressure that I've haven't seen in a while from this team. And this team likes to put on pressure in a lot, but the the build up to this 90th minute winner, it was just the ball didn't even leave the half. They were like scrambling to even get the ball yeah. clear to, to to William Saliba, and it just came right back in. It was just ruthless, and you know I'll, I'll take this moment to bring in uh, all this. <clears throat> Alexander Zinchenko because he was a worthy, worthy, worthy man of the match, and you can't even say what position he played. No, he he started at left back, but if you see his touch map, you'd think he was he was playing like the messy like false nine position, like where he just takes touches from all around the field. Yeah, like he was just incredible. Yeah, I'll I'll speak to that. I mean, Zinchenko's heat map in this game was ridiculous. He was playing left back as much as he was playing left wing and center mid and i mean oftentimes we have seen zinchenko play left center mid but he was often finding himself way out you know towards right center mid where party would often be stationed i mean he was just everywhere in this game and he hardly got a foot wrong in the one and i love zinchenko but the one thing i've always said is that in his 1v1 defending and defensively he's not as strong as yeah kieran tierney is but in this game he was Flawless defense against a against a fantastic one v one player as well. Yeah. And Anthony, he was fantastic. He was helping Arsenal break the press so much as per usual. But in the final third, he was just really, really electric everywhere on the field. He was there, and he set the tempo for Arsenal. Not just in this game, but just with the mentality he's brought to the club of that winning from Man City. You know, pushing Arsenal not just to go to the top four, but you know, to push for the title. And he's just been a phenomenal signing. It's no wonder why Arteta brought him in from City. So I can't say enough good things about Zinchenko, not just in this game, but as a player overall and the mentality he's brought to the club. Because it's not just the mentality of the team or of individual players. It is the mentality of the club that has completely shifted. Like you mentioned, you know, with the crowd after going a goal down against United, you know, the noise and atmosphere going up and getting behind the team. You know, that's not something that Arteta can say in the dressing room to change things. That's yeah. the entire club from, you know, the fans, the sporting director, yeah. everybody, yeah. you know, getting into that mentality of we're getting behind the team. We're not, you know, putting our foot down and pushing them down. I, I'll say another thing about, about the game as a whole. Um I was looking at both uh, after this game. I could, you know, can't stay off Twitter after games like this, um, yeah. especially as an Arsenal fan. But uh, I was looking at perspectives from both sides. You know, what was Goldbridge saying? What was what, what were the guys on our side saying? What was Ian Wright saying? It seemed like the Man United perspective from this game was that they were just a couple moments away from getting at least a point out of this game in, in different moments of the game, which I guess is not entirely false because you know the winner came very late and it was kind of like a scramble um xg in this game was 3.1 to 0.4 and you know say what you will about xg it's not a perfect system but it certainly tells the story of who generated the most chances and the most high scoring chances and this game in you know the butterfly effect of a couple key moments in the game could have resulted in 4-1 Arsenal, 5-1 Arsenal. Like, I I don't think it's that people truly understand that Rashford had a moment of magic and Lissandro capitalized on an error. 
Like, they, they really didn't generate much by themselves. They didn't break Arsenal down that much. And, you know, Ben White didn't even have a good game, and Zinchenko isn't that good of a winger, a wingback, in terms of uh, defensive. So they should have, been have, should have been able to absolutely terrorize those wings from Rashford and Anthony, and it just didn't happen. They just didn't generate that much. Um, and I think that's a testament to how well Arsenal was structured. Uh, Thomas Party, aside from getting, you know, beat on the goal, yeah. I, I remember one specific moment where he tracked, I, uh, was it Anthony, I, I think, or uh, Veghorst, just all the way down into the into the box. It, they were kind of like in on like a semi-breakaway on a counterattack, and he just busted ass all the way down and tracked down. I, it might have been Anthony. Um but he was great. Like the the work rate was very good defensively. Even I mean, possession was fifty eight forty two. So Man United had moments of pressure in this game where Arsenal were pinned, um, and they just defended really well and didn't really give Man United much. They gave away a couple set pieces, a couple of corners, but it just I mean, twelve to four on corners, Arsenal. Like this game, I don't think three two really tells the story. Three two on a ninetieth minute winner, let alone like tells the real story of how much Arsenal deserve three points in this game and you know for the justice of football it's it's nice to see Arsenal getting three points when they deserve it um similar to the way United deserved three when they um when Arsenal came to them they they sat back and Arsenal generated their chances they soaked and they scored some really nice goals on the counter-attack so it, it goes both ways um but again like you can't say enough about this Arsenal team and you know this is the first year we've had a podcast and it's the first year that our team is, you know, the most praiseable team in the league. So it may, may come off as biased, but I, I truly think that they deserve as much praise, if not more than we're giving them right now. Um, especially from where they came from in the last couple of years. Yeah. 19 games, 50 points, you know, at this rate, they're on pace to be centurions. So yeah, there's really, no excuse for not giving them this kind of praise. So, righty, let's finish up with some scores from around the ground. Starting off with the game before this for Manchester United that we did not cover. Crystal Palace won, Manchester United won, an absolute banger of a free kick from Elise. Yeah, where he ce- he celebrated like he just sunk a paper basketball shot in the office. <laughs> Uh, and it was just a, you know, just a casual late winner free kick from 30 plus yards, um, off the bar and in against Manchester United at home. Uh, Crystal Palace scrape a point out there. That one kind of dampened the, the form. Also, it took Casemiro out of the, uh, yeah. of the Arsenal Manchester United game, which we didn't even get to really, um, how Casemiro might've affected that. But uh, again, I think Arsenal, the way the form they're in right now will probably have taken three. I don't know. Again, I, I talked about it last. I'm not going to contradict what I said in the last podcast that, you know, a good six changes everything. And certainly it does for Manchester United. But I, I just can't see Arsenal not not at least putting in one hell of an effort to get three points with or without Casemiro. Yeah. What finishes 1-1. Arsenal, uh, Man United dropped two points and their form for the time being ends right there. Leicester City 2, Brighton 2. A game that... You can be proud of from a Leicester City perspective going against a Brighton team that's very hot right now um, and getting a point in the form Leicester City is on. You can't really complain with that if you're Brendan Rodgers, certainly uh, a manager on the hot seat still. Um, Brighton got 64% possession and, you know, played Brighton football for the most part, but Leicester, I think, did a good job. Mark Albrighton on the score sheet, gotta love that. Um, But again, (laughs) Kairou Matoma. Uh, Kaoru Matoma, I believe is how you say it, um, on the score sheet again. Another lively, lively match for him. Finishes 2-2 at the King Power. Uh, Southampton nil, Aston Villa won. Southampton dropping three points again. Um, nice win for Aston Villa. Uh, kind of forgot about the Aston Villa team. They got a nice bounce from the, from the appointment of Unai Emery. Slowed down a little bit, but, um, again, three points to three points. And, um... <clears throat> Way in the Premier League, even against the worst team in the league on paper, is still nothing to, you know, take for granted. Uh, West Ham 2, Everton nil. We talked about this game a little bit with Frank Lampard as the nail in the coffin. Um, and 
you know, uh, two struggling teams. One team's struggling, certainly, just that little bit much more. Um, I don't know if this necessarily gets David Moyes off the uh, the struggle bus, but uh, three points in the position that they're in is, again, nothing to take for granted. Bournemouth, Nottingham Forest, a very, very tasty fixture for the um, the bottom four race, or the bottom three race, even though, at this point, um, Tottenham, uh, Nottingham Forest were sitting on uh, on 20, so safely out but again Nottingham Forest not a team exempt from potentially getting relegated um ends all square nice point for Bournemouth who are obviously battling relegation firmly at the moment Crystal Palace nil Newcastle nil uh again Ethan like just a game that you think maybe Newcastle will want to take three points for from in their current form but yeah again you really don't know what you're gonna get from Palace yeah Newcastle haven't scored a lot of goals recently but They've six consecutive clean sheets, which is yeah. insane. <laughs> Haven't conceded the goal in six games. That is borderline ridiculous. But at the same time, they've also scored one goal in their last four. So yeah, uh, <laughs> gotta do it at both ends. Yeah, yeah. Um, credit. I'll I'll shout out um Kieran Trippier while we talk about Newcastle because he's been pretty spectacular this season and certainly deserves. A place, a place at least right now in the uh in the um in the team of the year my team of the year at least um, oh yeah he's he's been pretty fantastic for newcastle on both ends uh, on set pieces uh just shoring up the defense he's been one of those guys that you know has contributed to their him and nick pope and obviously uh dan bird stepping in quite you know effectively at left back um has contributed to their incredible defensive record so far so Shout out Kieran Trippier. Um, Manchester 3, Wolves nil. Casual Erling Holland hat trick. Nothing really to see here. Um, it was, you know, an actual casual Erling Holland hat trick. A header, yeah. a penalty, and a tap in. Um, but again, you need to be in the right positions. And if it was easy, everybody would, do, would be doing it. So Erling Holland 3, Wolves nil. Uh, Leeds United nil. Brentford nil. Another nil nil. Uh, for the week, the third of the week, actually, um, kind of typical of the teams, Leeds either playing games that end nine to four or nil nil. So <laughs> this one was happens to be one of the nil nils. Um, you know, on the form that some of the Brentford players are on, they were running pretty hot just a couple weeks ago with Ivan Tony and the like. Um, maybe you tip them to get. Uh, three points out of this game, but away from home, Ellen Road, obviously tough place to play. Can't really fault them too much for just sticking to the point. And then finally, uh, last game of the weekend or the Monday, should I say, uh, Fulham nil, Tottenham one. This is a classic Tottenham three points, kind oh, of yeah. just uh, getting their goal. By the way, Harry Kane, fantastic finish. Yeah, just cutting onto the right and whipping it around, unsavable, really unsavable. And we talk mm. about how Harry Kane has <clears throat> single-handedly gotten them to be a big six team. This is certainly one of those games. Um, and then Tottenham's rigidity kind of did the rest. Didn't give up too much. Obviously lost on possession. That was a given. Um, but uh, three points against the Fulham team on the road is, you know, I, I don't know how much, how many Tottenham fans could have been as optimistic as that, but. Yeah. Yeah, Harry Kane impressively puts himself within 10 of Erling Holland in the Golden <laughs> Boot race. <laughs> Which is just silly at this point. Um, but that will round out our Match Week 21 content onto our Match Week 22 content, starting with the goal picks. And if you are unfamiliar with our goal picks competition, it's another season-long competition between me and Ethan, where each week we pick three players that we think are going to score goals in the upcoming Match Week. The catch is that the other person has the ability to block three players from our choosing. So if I want to pick three players, Ethan can also block three players. If Ethan blocks a player that I pick, Ethan gives me a player instead of me choosing a player. Ethan, would you like to start? I would, because this actually won't take too long. Sure. Because I've employed an interesting strategy this week. Sure. Uh, which is to pick three Brighton players. <laughs> because Brighton have scored two goals in their last five in every one of their last five games and they're home against a fleeting Bournemouth side so I have to imagine 
a minimum of two goals are on the card, maybe three, maybe four. And there's a good chance. I mean, you saw this matchup. It looks tasty. Of course it does. And there's yeah. a good chance you probably blocked one. But there's no way you blocked two Brighton players. So I'm going to have myself Evan Ferguson, Karuma Toma, and Pascal Gross hopefully get two. Hopefully one of them is Matoma. And, you know, maybe get one or two goals out of them. So that's my strategy this week. How'd it go? You can have all three. All three. Nice. Uh, yeah, you went back to back with Matoma, so I didn't really foresee that, but I guess I could have foreseen that he's on pretty good form right now. Um, I, that's a strategy we haven't seen yet: is to kind of just say this team is going to score a goal. I want the goal. Let's take the three most likely players to score them. <laughs> Hopefully, Danny Welbeck doesn't come back into the starting yeah. eleven. Evan yeah. Ferguson's been good though, but obviously okay. Welbeck is very good too. All right, yeah, that's an interesting strategy. I will give it to you though. All right. My picks will go as follows. Starting off with number one, Mikalo Mudrick. Ooh, I don't know. I think, right. Is that his first name, Mikalo? That sounds like his I, first I think, name. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Mikalo Mudrick. All right. I'm going to go with Mudrick. I think he's going to get the start after a lively uh, cameo in his debut. And I, I, I don't know. I think he, he's going to be a good player. And he's going against Fulham, who have been relatively stingy back there. But I think they get on the score sheet, and I think it might be Mudrick. Not my finest of choices, but yeah, I like to pick some electrifying players. I went with Orsic a couple weeks ago. So. Yeah. Hey, it's a good uh, feeling. Yep. Um, then from Tottenham Man City, I'm going to go with Dayan Kulishevsky, who I think is going to get on the score sheet again. Um, you know, they play that counterattack, and he is certainly on the best of forms when it comes to a Spurs player. So I'm thinking with Kulishevsky. And then from Arsenal Football Club, I'm going to go with Eddie Inketia, who is on some nice form. Uh, hopefully you didn't block him. I didn't. Okay. Luckily. I, I got very excited when you said Arsenal Football Club because I thought <laughs> I had you. I blocked Martinelli. Okay. Uh, who isn't on the best of form right now? No, I thought. no, he's not. And obviously Niketia going up against Everton. Seemed almost almost too obvious at this point, uh-huh. but I guess not. My other blocks were Tony and Watkins. You can have sure. all three of them. All right, all right. Game on this week. Couple of after a couple of blocks last week, yeah. we are. Oh yeah, I should do the update from last sure. week. Uh, yeah, I had two blocks on Braden last week, and luckily the player I didn't block scored for him. Bakayo Saka got a goal, <laughs> so he had one which canceled out my goal from Karumatoma. So that brings the season total to I have now 16 goals I believe and Brain has 10. I'll have to double check that from sure. last week. But yes, I believe that is the case. Okay. Still all to play for? Yep. And now on to some match predictions couple weeks away because we got some FA Cup this weekend. But um, starting off with Chelsea hosting Fulham. Yes. uh, I don't think Mudrick will score, but I do believe he will start and will have an impressive full debut. Um, Despite the position in the table, I think with the signing of Mudrick and just the other players they brought in, Balashile, they just signed Maduke, who is a beast in FIFA 22 career mode. Just want to point that out. (laughs) Absolute ledge. I think Stamford Bridge will be optimistic, despite the fact that they're mid-table. And I think that it will be a good atmosphere for that game. Uh, Chelsea 2, Fulham 1. All right, Chelsea 2, Fulham 1. Um, see, this fixture was just played. Um, and I believe Fulham got the victory. 2-1. Indeed. Off a, uh, yeah, Felix red card. Um, yeah, Felix, Felix cannot get a red card in this game because he is suspended for it. So that should take an effect on the game. And that will make it... Mm, I don't like giving Chelsea three points. I just feel <laughs> out of place giving Chelsea the credit for three points, especially against a team that's objectively playing better football than them right now. Um, Nil-nil. Going back for nil-nil. Spurs hosting Man City, another reverse fixture. What do you got? 
Yeah, uh, this may seem overly optimistic, but I think Spurs will have learned from their loss against City. I may come back to bite those words. But I thought it was an uncharacteristic performance from Spurs. Not in so much as that they lost, but in so much as that they played like shit in the second half. Uh, I think at home they may get back to their normal selves, even though their normal selves aren't that good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just think that City rarely seem to do the league double over Spurs mm, in recent yeah. years. So, again, just going with the gut feeling here, Spurs 2, City 2. I also am going to give Spurs a little more credit than they deserve because I just think that when City comes to town, you kind of just get up for those games, especially if you're Spurs in the last couple of years. They've kind of had City's number. I'm going to go as far to say 2-0 Spurs. Wow. I think we could see some uh, a shocking result here. I don't know if we will. I certainly wouldn't be surprised if it's 2-0 City, but uh, I'm predicting a little bit of an upset here. Um, and we will move on to our closing segment, which I will pass on to my partner to describe to us. Yeah. Um, I couldn't come up with a clever name for this segment, but uh, Brayden, I'm going to give Brayden six managers. And then I will list six quotes in random order, and he will have to match the Premier League past or present manager to the quotes. All these managers which I'll say to you now are managers who have managed clubs in the Premier League, either currently or in the past. And they go Arsene Wenger, Jose Mourinho, Antonio Conte, Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp, and Louis Van Hall. So, if you want to take a moment to write that down if you want me to say that again. Van Gogh. We can cut all this out. Anger, Marino. <clears throat> was Ferguson there? No. Klopp, Van Hall, Wenger, Marino, Conte, and Conte and Guardiola. Guardiola. Okay. Okay. I am ready when you are. So the first quote, in no particular order. You can make a mistake about your wife, but not about your striker and your goalkeeper. Okay. I'm going to say right now, I'm going to tentatively say Guardiola. Okay. And I'm not going to reveal. I'm going to reveal at the end how you did. At the end. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I might have to change some around at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I'll allow you to switch around. So if you you keep track of that. So you're saying Guardiola for that one? I'm going to say Guardiola for that one. Tentatively. Okay. The next one. It's impossible to play good football if you don't have sex with your partner. Oh, I think that one is actually Guardiola. So I'm <laughs> going to I'm going to backtrack. I'm going to say okay. I'm going to say wife not goalkeeper is Van Hall. Okay. And then I'm going to say that one I think is Guardiola. All right. Changing it up already. <laughs> Yep. Okay, go ahead. Okay, the next one. The word desire is fantastic. We need desire, hunger, and a lot of times I use the word horny with my players. Seems to be a theme so far. Yeah, a lot of them are sexual. Most of them are. (laughs) I'll give you the heads up. Uh, I'm going to say Mourinho for that one. But again, very tentatively. All of these sound like Guardiola could have said them first of all. (laughs) Continue. Okay. Next one. I've told him to cut off his ponytail. I think it makes him less aerodynamic. <laughs> I don't think it's Wenger because I can't remember a, <laughs> a player with a ponytail. player with a ponytail. <laughs> so I'm gonna stick to. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that's Mourinho. I'm gonna change number three to Conte. Okay. So you're saying uh, I use the word horny with my players is Antonio Conte. Antonio Conte. I'm going to say that one was Mourinho. Mourinho dynamic. Go ahead. And the next one. Everybody in the stadium has to be in absolutely top shape. The guys who sell the hot dogs have to be in top shape. (laughs) Oof. That sounds like a Simeone quote, (laughs) honestly. Uh, Okay. 
I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm, I'm changing one every single time. I'm gonna say that one's Mourinho, and I think that the Klopp one was talking about Van Dyke. So I'm gonna say that the Klopp, the ponytail one was Van Dyke. I think that one was Mourinho. Okay, so this ponytail one, one has to be is Klopp, and then the one I just said is Mourinho. Yeah, okay. that's that's what I'm saying. And for our last quote. I have a problem, yep. which is I'm getting better at everything related to my job since I started. See, that does not sound like an Arsene Wenger quote. <laughs> that sounds like a Jose Mourinho quote. Which you said about the last four quotes, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you did well at this. Uh, okay. Apparently. Sex with partner. Mm-hmm, that could totally be Conte. Honestly, the first three could be any of Van Hall, Conte, Guardiola, Mourinho. I don't think it was Klopp or Wenger. Wenger is the only one you I'm haven't try- assigned to a quote yet. Yes, yes, yes. I'm trying to figure out which one is Wenger because I think he has the most distinct, like, persona of the mm-hmm. five. Like, I think Conte and Mourinho are, like, you know, arrogant in, in ways. Yeah. And then Guardiola is pretty wild with his mm-hmm. quotes. Like, I don't, I don't know if Wenger has had... And he's he's usually like uh you know oh we played well we didn't finish yeah. you know like <laughs> Do you want me to <laughs> I think he's pretty like some of the quotes or uh yeah just go through all okay. six of them. I'll read this most recent one. I have a problem, which is I'm getting better at everything related to my job since I started. It's impossible to play good football if you don't have sex with your partner. You said this one was Guardiola. You can make a mistake about your wife, but not about your striker and your goalkeeper. That one you said was Van Hall. The word desire is fantastic. We need desire, hunger, and a lot of times I use the word horny with my players. You said that one was Conte. Everybody in the stadium has to be in absolutely top shape. The guys who sell the hot dogs have to be in top shape. You said that was Mourinho. And the final one, I've told him to cut off his ponytail. I think it makes him less aerodynamic. You said that one was Jurgen Klopp. Okay. The one that I'm most confident about is the ponytail one. I'm sticking to that one. I think the hot dog one is Antonio Conte. Okay. You said that one was Mourinho ah. before. So you want me to change yeah, that? Yeah, I might be throwing. Yeah, change okay, that. So that one's Antonio Conte. What, which one did I say was you Conte? You said the, that one. the word desire is fantastic. A lot of times you use the word horny with my players. Change that to Mourinho. Okay. And then we'll keep the last one as Vanker because I'll, I'll, I'll stick so to it. I, can't, I, can't, I have a problem, I can't which is I'm getting better at everything related to my job since I started. That just that's just no fucking way Wenger said that, but like you're, I you're I don't know where it? else to All put right. it. So are you I think it might be Van Hall actually. No, switch the wife, not goalkeeper, with Wenger and put the I'm getting better at everything with to Van Hall and then I'm done. Okay. So L V G is I'm getting better at everything and now Wenger is you can make a mistake about your wife, but not about your striker and your goalkeeper. Yes, right. and then I'm I'm done. That's sad. I can't tinker too much. Oh you're fine. Sin. They are in. Okay, breathe in. You got a one out of six. <laughs> all right. Now, all which right, one do you right, think it was? All right, that's fine. Klopp. It wasn't Klopp. It wasn't Klopp. Okay. Uh, it was Guardiola. Right. It's impossible to play good football if you don't have sex with your partner. That was correct. Okay. And that one I got, that was like a gut one. I didn't yeah. change that one. Um, okay, go I, I see. I see the logic you used with the Klopp one. Um, that one was actually yeah. Arsene Wenger. Yeah, was it? Um, okay. I don't know what player he was referring to actually, but I did find that <laughs> quote. Uh, I'm trying to think. Him on the grow- oh, maybe Hector Bellerin. Uh, maybe yeah, eh, it's possible. Who knows? I mean, a lot of players coming down ponytails. He was Arsenal manager for 22 years. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. Um, uh, I think Seaman made it. Yeah. Oh yeah, he too, did for but, sure. Um. Yeah. Not that he would need to be aerodynamic. <laughs> yeah, aerodynamic, anyway, like, yeah. Um, All right, anyway. Jurgen Klopp's quote was, everybody in the stadium has to be in absolutely top shape. The guys who sell the hot dogs have to be in top shape. Which I guess makes sense. See, I, the I can see impress, that. I can you know. see that. Yeah. You said that one yeah, was yeah, yeah, Antonio yeah. Conte. <laughs> sure. Um, Louis Van Hall said, the word desire is fantastic. We need desire, hunger, and a lot of times I use the word horny with my players. You said okay. that one was Mourinho. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. The Antonio Conte quote was, you can make a mistake about your wife, but not about your striker and your goalkeeper. And okay. the, the Jose Mourinho okay. quote was, I have a problem, which is I'm getting better at everything related to my job since I started. That one was yeah, I, too I, I honestly thought that one was too <laughs> I can't believe you didn't get that one. <laughs>
Oh, I should have just said, who's the most yeah. arrogant and like, like this, oh this is God. the only like really arrogant quote in there and you didn't choose Jose for that one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah that's true. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I fucked up. <laughs> no, I, I no, think a this lot is, of listeners listen, I, I empathize with now, you. But... This is, this is hard to do because <laughs> a lot of them, you know, don't have anything really to do with the manager, but that one I would yeah, have expected yeah. a bit more. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand. I see where you're coming from. All right. With that. We will round out our podcast for this week. Another f- set of fixtures coming up, not before a um, a nice FA Cup break. Um, but still, in the distance, we have uh, a nice match week of fixtures coming up. I will certainly try to place my eyes upon all of them. But uh, until then, we will say goodbye. Adios. See ya.